We are in the middle of a series, towards the end of a series, called Obstacles to Faith. We have looked at a bunch of different obstacles, and today we're going to look at uh, the obstacle of technology. And uh, what's funny, I was looking in my notes, because I keep track of all the talks I give, and about, let's see, 16 years ago, I gave a talk. Uh, it was a similar theme. It was called A God's Eye View of, and what I talked about was the internet, Okay. This is 2007. And it was really, it was like a time capsule of like going back and seeing like what were the things that were difficult about the internet and what was like, and literally, I'm not, I'm not joking, the two things that I talked about that teenagers sort of struggled with being distractions were, does anyone want to guess what the two things were? MySpace and Facebook. Those were the two things. That was all we had in those simpler days. And I had just joined Facebook that week. And it was a big deal. Like, should I join? Because at that point, it was still it was all young people. And should I join? Should I not? Is it weird? For And of course, now it's like only people my age and older on Facebook uh, could have never imagined that. So, but, uh, so it was really fun to sort of look back at that and be like, man, things happen very quickly. Um, but I, I still, I remember too, in my lifetime, like not even having the internet. I don't, I don't know, a couple things I don't remember. I don't remember what I did before I had a cell phone. Like I don't remember what, like how, how would you meet up with someone? How you just, and if they didn't, if they didn't show up or something, like how would you find out like that they weren't going to be there? You had to like maybe even call a restaurant to be like, you know, hey, is someone there? And like, like actually see, you see in the movies. I don't understand that. I don't know how we did anything. I don't know how we like looked up anything. And you had, when you had an argument with someone, you would just like, no, I think it's this. No, I think it's that. And like, you, you wouldn't be able to know. And now you find the answer out. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Um, but I still remember the first time that I got the internet on my laptop and like I, it was like we didn't even understand what it was. Like we were like, "What do you? How, the World Wide Web? We don't understand what this even like. It's just so weird that obviously all of you have grown up. This is this is it. This is your lives. It's just it's 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 you've only ever known this life, and not just that, but you've known having smartphones. So like literally, when I talked about this 16 years ago, it was just about. The in, I kept, kept talking about the internet all the time, which is just like so quaint because that's just not even the issue. It's, it's you know, it's the, the, the deal is smartphones and whatever. So um, I got four points that I'm going to talk about tonight um, about technology. And the first point that I want to be very clear on is that technology improves our lives. No doubt about it. I am so grateful for technology. I am so grateful that I have a device that allows me to take photos whenever I want and be a calculator and write notes down. And I mean, it, is, it has absolutely no question about it. Gets me where I'm going. Uh, I don't have to ask for directions. I know exactly how to get there. Like the we could, we could sit in here for an hour and talk about all of the ways that technology has improved our lives, and I absolutely am so grateful for it. it, it I was even thinking about today, like, the amount of justice that is made available. Like, if you think about uh, if there were no sort of, you know, video 
devices for people, all of the crimes that are, that are now being able to be recorded. Like, if there was no cell phones, George Floyd's death would have just been, yeah, just another, another guy got killed, and we would, have, we would have never known about it. But because of technology, someone recorded it, and we know now there was justice. So there's, there's like seriously justice that takes place because we have this technology. Um, there's, we could go on. The information, I, I like being connected to people uh, in ways that I otherwise wouldn't be connected, like Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat. Like you're able to communicate. All these things that connect you are really, really good. And I believe that the heart of technology is we are exhibiting the character of God when we invent new and better ways of living life. God is a creator, right? So this God who made things like, uh, what do we got here? We've got some, that, that's a fish. It's called, do you anybody know what that fish is called? It's the Huma Huma Nuku Nuku Apua'a, obviously. And uh, it's beautiful. And it's got this incredible name. And there's, God made that. God, God made that up. All right, what else we got? That is a hammerhead shark. What? The hammerhead? Like God decided that there was going to be a shark and there's going to be eyes? Like that's something that you would have made up like, you know, like a Jim Henson creature. But God did that. Uh, two more. This is a baboon with the, with, the, with the like pink butt. It's so cool. And then the last one is, that is a, what's that? Anybody know what that is? The duck-billed platypus. Like, are you kidding me? This is, you put a duck bill on top of like, uh, uh, like an, like an uh, raccoon otter thing uh, going on? And God did that. God is so creative. And so when we are creative, when we are using our minds and creating things and making life better, we are mirroring a good and creative God. And that is Really, really, really incredible. So I think that technology absolutely improves our lives. Point number two is this. Technology can make our lives worse. That is just the reality. Just as anything invented for good, there are always downsides as well. The car... Unbelievable invention. Not a single person would ever say we should get rid of it. But people are killed in car accidents every single day. Um, so, so with technology, there is a lot of junk. That's the truth. Um, and I just, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this, but I think the, the reality uh, that what has come into our world as a result of this is the, is the ease with which we can look at pornography, um, and the way that that is so easily addicting. 30 years ago, if you wanted to look at pornography, you had to go invite that in. And now it comes into your world, whether you want it to or not sometimes. And it's this huge industry, and it makes tons of money, and it gets people addicted. I just looked up some statistics. This is from a year ago. 57% of men who were asked, ages 30 to 49 reported having watched pornography in the past month. 42% said they've watched it in the past week. So 
presumably these are a lot of married men. So if, if, especially guys, and it is much more prevalent in guys, but it's not exclusively. If you have this idea that, yeah, I mean, when I get, when I get older, you know, it's, it's not going to be an issue. No, this is a majority of men ages 30 to 49 who are saying that they are still watching pornography. Uh, I could give a whole talk on this. I won't. Um, God designed um, our bodies and our sexuality. Sex is, sex is God's design as well. Very creative. Uh, but God designed our bodies to be enjoyed in the confines of marriage. Then that's it. Um, it will destroy your soul. And, and if you just sort of let it go unchecked, if you just sort of say, this is, I'm, I'm not going to try to stop it, uh, it, will, it will eventually just, it will, it will not lead to good, to good places. So um, my encouragement to you is, that, is just to, to if this is, a, this is an issue for you, this is something that you're struggling with, you talk to somebody, and uh, there's, there's absolutely no shame in admitting that this is something that you struggle with because so many people do. And that, I would say, is one of the dangers is how easy it is for us to look at things that we were just not intended to. We were not intended to look at that. The other dangerous thing about the internet, I think, is and about technology and sort of stuff on your phone, is that we can bear weight that we were not intended to bear in terms of seeing pain around the world. Um, we were not intended. Like, it's, it's incredible that we can know about the pain happening all over the country and all over the world. But we were not emotionally made to carry that weight. And especially if you are an empathetic person and if you're somebody who just naturally feels things and the internet opens us up to sort of just knowing what's happening about the pain in the world, that introduces that kind of emotional pain into our lives and our hearts. We were not meant to to bear the weight of all of that. So um, that's just another observation about that. Um, and then, you know, just, just on a, a practical level, it can be a real distraction from kind of living our lives. Um, I'm going to, there's a, a verse here, Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2, where the psalmist says, let's see if we have, do we have that? The psalmist says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? What you have is this psalmist saying, um, I need God more than I need anything else. That's, that's what I long for. That's what I, what I long for in my life is to, is to be with God. And um, when we introduce things like, you know, a relationship with God takes time and it takes patience and it takes quiet and when we go to our phones all the time, if that's sort of our go-to, just everything about our lives is just always what's happening on our phones all the time, the hunger that we have for God can dissipate. And a hunger for God really takes time and it takes patience. And the internet just provides you stuff, information. And what's your, you know, if you're into a TV show or if you're into, um, you know, sort of, celebrity gossip, or if you're into sports, or if you're into video games, like there, every single day there is something new, and there's an endorphin hit, and you just, and all of a sudden, if, if, if we only are feeding ourselves that, we are creating uh, this hunger for God is dissipating, and slowly and slowly and slowly, we don't, we don't need that anymore, because we're, we're just constantly getting filled up, but what you will find is that it does not 
ultimately satisfy you, right? Like, eventually, if you are only filling your soul with stuff that you see on your phone, it is not going to nourish your soul. It is, it is just going to be little things that don't ultimately satisfy you. So, the, this, is, this is where we're, where we're wanting to go. We want to head to a place where we're saying, God, I want you. I want my heart to long for you. I don't want my heart to mostly long for the next thing that I need to know that's happening you know, in the world of whatever it is that I'm interested in. So technology can make our lives worse. That's point number two. Point number three is this. And this is a little bit of a, just kind of a side note, uh, but I think it is really important for us to, to, in fact, this may be the most important thing that you hear tonight, some of you. Don't believe the lie that you must market your personal brand. I read an article that was written by a woman who was an Anglican priest, and when I read it, I just kind of, like, I, I was, you know, you, you read something sometimes, you just want, you want everyone to know this, and you just want to share it. This is how I felt, and I didn't know when I was going to be able to share it, and it just kind of Today, I was like, this is the moment when, I, when it's, I'm going to be able to share it. So she's a, a really insightful. She's, she's a brilliant woman. She's written a bunch of books. She writes a column for the New York Times. So she's an Anglican priest, strong, outspoken woman of faith. And, but she's such a gifted writer that the New York Times asks her to write an article every week. This is what she wrote uh, a few weeks ago. She was quoting a recent New York Times article where this reporter not a Christian, wrote about how the rise of social media and influencer power has made it such that young people in particular find their livelihood, success, and sense of self entwined with an online presentation. She wrote, with personal branding, the line between who people are and what they do disappears. Everything is content. And this is, now she's talking again, the writer of the article. A strange, exhausting new twist in being human is that each day, each of us must decide how much of ourselves, our family life, thoughts, work, photos, and feelings we will share with strangers online. This woman, this article that she she quoted, a marketing writer who explained that we are each head marketer for the brand called you. To reduce ourselves to brands, however, is to do violence to us as persons. We turn ourselves into products, content to be evaluated instead of people to be truly known and loved. We convert the stuff of our lives into currency. Again, this may be, eh, whatever, Siler. When I read this, I just was like, "Uh uh uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. And it's not just for you, for me too. Like, there is just this pressure almost now that, you can put content all the time, anytime. What is it going to be? How am I going to market my, this brand of you? She says, this new way of interacting with the world is driving institutional dysfunction, personal anxiety, and the hollowing out of ourselves. She says, religious faith ought to have something to offer. Though the gospel that Christians proclaim has never needed to be put in quite these terms, increasingly part of the good news that churches must offer people is... I am not a brand. You are not a brand. We are not a brand. So, this, I, I don't want this to sound ranty. I don't want this to sound like Siler is against posting things about your life. 
I want you to feel the freedom to post anything you want, whenever, that's, that, I am not judging that. What I am telling you is, if you feel the anxiety that you feel like you must always be evaluating, what am I, what do I need to post, do I need to post that? Do I need to post this? Wait, I posted that thing, but do I, do I look weird? Do I need to take it down? If you feel like you have become the head marketer of a brand called you, what I'm here to tell you is you don't have to do that. You can opt out of that. I'm holding up the mirror perhaps to some of you. Not all of you. I, I really don't know your, your worlds at all. Some of you may be like, yeah, I don't, this isn't a problem for me. But if you are resonating with this, if you are like, yeah, I feel that pressure. Guys, it is hard enough to be teenagers in this world. To now have to become the head marketer of a brand called you is terrible. So I want to give you the freedom in the name of Jesus that if that's you and if that's causing anxiety in your life, talk to your small groups about it tonight. Talk to your parents. Talk to a leader and say, yeah, I don't want to do that. Do I have to do that? You don't have to do that. That is not what you are called to do in your life. You can say, I don't want to do that and I'm not going to do that. If you like it and you want to do that, then feel free to do that. But if it stresses you out, and if it's not bringing you joy, and if it's not helping you grow in your relationships with God and with others, then just get off that treadmill. You don't have to do that. That's point number three. And then point number four is this. I'm just going to give you a few practical steps, and I hope that you and your small group leaders can talk through this more. Take control of your technology, or it will take control of you. That's the, the, the hard part about, about this is that you know, some of you have watched, you've watched the, 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 the Netflix documentary that was popular a couple, few years ago, The Social Something um, Project. Is that what it was? Yeah. Where basically, yeah, like the people at Instagram and certainly TikTok and others, they are, they, are, they are making that algorithm, baby, and they are making it, and they want to market to you, and they, they want, they're coming for, they, they want your time, they want your attention, and... Um, if you don't take control of your technology, it will own you. Like you think you own your, your phone and you own your, it actually, it will start to own you. So again, some, some of you may just be like, I don't, I don't deal with this. If that's you, that is awesome. That's great. That's, that's, that is a blessing in your life. But for others of you, you're like, yeah, I guess that's, that's kind of true. That, that it's kind of owning me now. Um, you have to take control of that. So there's a few, just, there's, there's two challenges that goes along with this. Um, one of them, what I would just say, at the very least, those of you that have a smartphone and that this is sort of a part of your life, that you would decide that, that going to your phone is not the first thing you do every day. That you would start every day uh, just quiet, or maybe you would start every day reading your Bible or being still or praying doing something that is going to nourish you and have your sort of your first thoughts are about, God, how can I serve you? How can I love you? How can I um, be useful to you today before you go and do anything on your phone? Um, And then the other just challenge that that someone has, has given to me, which I think is helpful and sometimes is difficult to do, but to consider that with your phone, and I've, I've mentioned this in other settings, but that you would have an hour a day, uh, that you are not, that your phone is not with you. 
and that you can't say, okay, yeah, I'll do 2 a.m. to 3 a.m. That'll be perfect. Yeah, got that. Check. So, no, a time when you would ordinarily be looking at your phone, um, and, and maybe that's dinner time. You know, maybe, maybe, that's, uh, maybe that's an hour before you go to bed. Like, guys, for, for me, some of you, this is, it's just sucking everything towards you. And there's like, uh, there, there's, there's, there's books to read, and there's like re- face-to-face relationships that you can have, and there's, you know, music to play and to listen to and to write, and, you know, just stuff that's happening. And if you allow this, that will all stop happening, and it'll just be about this. So an hour a day, and then a day a week that I would challenge you to put your phone on Do Not Disturb. It doesn't mean you have to turn it off, but you put it on Do Not Disturb. Uh, that could be a Saturday, it could be a Sunday. Saturday sometimes works really well. Like, what that means is, if you're on Do Not Disturb, it doesn't mean that you're missing, you know, immediate messages. It just means that it's okay if you don't get it right away. And the people in your favorites, they can still get through. They can call you. But one day uh, a week, you, you put it on Do Not Disturb, and you just sort of see what happens. And then one week a year, um, you do something that makes you so that you don't have access to your phone. Coincidentally, mission trips can be that week for you. So when you go on a mission trip, we collect the phones, and it's awesome. And it, you, I, I will, every person who has had this happen, I'm pretty sure they would say, I am so, yes, it was frustrating at first, and I was annoyed that I didn't have my phone, and I would get like, you get like phantom buzzes in your pocket. You, still, you think, wait, was there, oh no, I don't, I don't even have a phone, but I, it feels like something is buzzing me. But you are freed up to be with people. It's incredible, like at night when we're having, you know, sort of free time. And you know what's happening? Everyone's talking to each other. You know what would be happening? This. What would be happening? It's incredible. Everyone's interacting. So that could, maybe that's your week, one week a year, when you just say, oh, yeah, I don't need that. Uh, be free from that. Um, the last, I'm going to leave you with one verse. It's from Philippians. And this is true um, whether you have... <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 there it is. This, is. this is true, like this is not a sort of plus or minus, phone or not phone, technology, not technology. This is what what the Apostle Paul is saying will bring joy into your life. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent, think about such things. There's a lot of junk out there. If we can think about the things that are true and beautiful and admirable and lovely, there will be more joy in our lives. Let's pray.